1: Coach Jen in Ocala,
2: Florida, and I'm Kayla Benny, also in Ocala, Florida, and you're listening to the monthly Total Equa Health and Fitness episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Thursday, June 22nd. This episode is a special episode of Horses in the Morning every fourth Thursday of the month, brought to you by Total Equa Health. Good morning, horse world.
1: Hey, you made it to the fourth Thursday of the month on Horses in the
2: Morning on today's show, you know, we talk a lot about horses' conformation and how it affects our equine partner's performance, injuries, and training. But why don't we talk about our own conformation and how it affects our performance on and off the horses and what body types are more susceptible to different forms while riding and injuries, long legs versus short legs. Should we have upright pasterns or long sloping pasterns? Well... (laughs) We're going to get into it today, Jen.
1: <laughs> we are going down a serious rabbit hole today. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> what I ask this question a lot when I get to co-host with various and sundry folks. Was there something that inspired you to go down this rabbit hole? Um. So,
2: well, I teach a lot of different people at different levels um, of the sport, um, and now a couple different types of sports. You know, I used to event. So I teach a couple event riders and I keep teach um, kids sh- like show jumping, adult show jumping, you know, all, all of the things. And I just I've noticed differences in how I've had to change riders. You know, when I think I want low hands, I can almost envision my hands touching the, the fuzzy part of my half pad. Mm -hmm. And because I have long noodle arms, like I'm not a very tall person. I am a midget. We have, we have well established that, but my extremities, my legs and my arms are actually of the longer variety. You would be a short backed Um, horse. Yes. Yes, I am, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is great because I can engage my core very easily. Once I think about it, um, I just had to learn how to think about it, but, um, You know, when I put my hands low, I can almost touch the half pads. But I have a couple students that have really, I I call them for, you know, lack of professionalism. They got little T-Rex arms and, uh, you know. And also where their shoulders are placed in relation, like are they broad-shouldered are they narrow-shouldered, you know, because that changes where their hands go, Mm -hmm. things like that. And I just started thinking about it more, and I was like, yes, we we do say we want low hands or we want our leg in this position, but not everyone's center of balance is the same. Um, You know, not everyone can achieve that quote-unquote perfect look in the picture, in
1: the book, while standing still, yeah, yeah. you know, it, things if, like that. Use a horse analogy. If you were to take a Western pleasure quarter horse, you would not ask that Western pleasure quarter horse to carry himself in a collected frame the same way you would an Oldenburg. Their conformation right. is different. Yeah. But that doesn't mean both of those horses can be equally athletic and engage their core and use their top line, and engage their hindquarters. They can do all those things, but the outward picture looks a little bit different because their confirmation is different. And we're going to touch on all kinds of crazy topics today. Um, We're going to be, we have two really, really interesting guests. I'm really excited about talking to them so that we can talk about the intricacies of not just how we look on the horse, but how we got there so that we are using our own bodies, each one's individual, to their to get the best performance we can out of them. And if we're doing that, if we're using our bodies at their best, that means our horse can do the same. And by the way, are you interested in your horse's wellness? Well, of course you are. Do you want to know what is in the products that you feed to and use on your horse? Of course you do. At Total EquiHealth, we have sought out and selected quality products that can help your horse's health and fitness and benefit their performance. The products that we carry aren't just for elite sport horses, but for every horse, because hello, every horse wants to be their best. It's innate. And for every health-conscious owner, because there's a health section for people at TotalEquiHealth.com. And I know that because I go to the people section at TotalEquahealth.com every other month or so and I have to get myself a bottle of Fortify Joint Therapy. It's great stuff. So go to TotalEquahealth.com and if you have sore aching joints like me, I suggest you check out the Fortified Joint Supplement. And if you use code HRN10, you also get a discount. Ha! So there. Sarah Watson is with us. Sarah Watson from Watson Chiropractic in Oak Park, Illinois. Sarah Watson is a doctor, by the way, and she is so smart. She is Sarah Watson, B-S-D-S-V-S-M-T-C-A-C-C-P, Pediatric Pregnancy and Human Health Chiropractor. And she's also a horse chiropractor. She's got more letters behind her name than supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I was going to say, she has the whole alphabet. (laughs) The entire. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi! Thank you so much for having me on. And we have a theme going on today's show: last minute guests. Thank you very much for coming (laughs) on the show and agreeing to do this at the very last second.
3: (laughs) Oh my gosh! Anytime, I will catch ride on
1: your show
3: any day. Oh, I love it—the catch ride. That's
1: pretty good. So you're you're an equestrian from way back. You rode what? What kind of um, equestrianism do you play?
3: So I have dabbled in lots of stuff. So I started off like most kids do. I'm like a hunt pony string. And so I rode hunt horses. I did a little bit of jumping, a little bit of cross country. And then I found the majestic American saddlebred and absolutely fell head over heels. The, the for one fancy. of America's
1: most underutilized breeds right there. The American Oh my breed. gosh,
3: they are incredible and so versatile like i don't know if your dressage riders need like gorgeous athletic go forward won't back ear at anything but check out saddlebred like
1: you know and especially if they won't fit into a show string like you can get them very nicely priced well see that's the (laughs) trick is is because they're under an underserved breed to use a human term Uh um their Their prices can be very reasonable when you find the ones that have have the attitude that you're looking to for for your particular discipline, but you're a horse Absolutely. girl from day one, and today's yep. show we're talking about human confirmation and how it can affect performance. But I think maybe we need to start the confirmate the conversation with human confirmation on top of a horse one oh one. What does that look like and sound like?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I would love to start this conversation with any body type can be balanced or unbalanced. It has nothing to do with like, how big you are, how small you are, how long your legs are, right? I am all of five foot two. I look like a literal child on my horse. And that body can be just as balanced as somebody with like really, really long legs. Like, half of the male trainers I know. So I think that the key to having a balanced body on a horse is having a balanced pelvis. And that's kind of the pivot point of the human horse interaction. And so there's a couple of things that we can do to manipulate that pivot point, let's say. So we have how the saddle fits into the back of the horse, right? You can have a higher pommel or a higher cantle, and you can manipulate that with padding. You can have how you sit like the angle of your pelvis and that affects both your leg and also how your back and your torso sit over your pelvis, right? Because balance is both forward and backward, but it's also left and right. So we have to, like, actually stay on our horses, hopefully. So I think that, like, when we have a pelvis with connection to our horse, we have legs that are soft and supple and able to do what we need them to do, whether it's wrapping around your horse in dressage to push forward or whether it's more connection through the seat in saddle seat where you want them to come up and forward. We have a mobile low back right? So we're not goosing, we don't have a driving seat necessarily, but we're also, we are in rhythm with our horses' movement, right? So we're not throwing them off. They don't have to balance us and balance themselves. And so that's, I think, where we need to start that conversation.
2: Now, so with that, um, do you think certain human confirmation would be easier to manipulate the pelvis, like a a shorter torsoed human versus a longer torsoed human?
3: No. Okay. Because really, like, range of motion in the pelvis is fairly standard. I think the width of the pelvis, right? I think, like, women have traditionally a wider set of seat bones. Mm -hmm. Right. So we think we can sit deeper in the saddle. Right. I think that like as long as that pelvic floor of the human, as long as the pelvis itself is mobile. Right. And as a human chiropractor, lots of what I do is pelvis, especially since primarily I work with pregnancy. So I like touch pelvises all day. (laughs) Say that right? out of context. And I so, just dare you. Yeah, I right. right? I, I make jokes about how many butts I touch. Every day. But <laughs> I think the thing is, is that it's difficult to see your own posture, right? Because you don't know what you look like on the back of your horse. I think that's I like have a videotape or lesson. But I think one of the most important things to do is to do like a posture screen. So there's like an app um, but you can also just take pictures of yourself standing up. And it's better to do this without, like, trying to stand up straight. Just do your natural posture. And essentially your ear hole, your shoulder, the hip, the knee, and the ankle should all be stacked over. So if, like, your pelvis is out in front or if your knees are back behind where your pelvis is, or like so many people, if your shoulders are rounded, that's all going to affect how you can transfer power from yourself to the horse, both through your reins,
1: through your seat, and through your leg. So when so, I take, if I take a picture of myself when I want to get a posture screen, am I taking it from the front or the side? You're actually doing it from all four directions. Ah, so, see, front. this is important information. Yep. All four directions now, what, it's obviously going to show me things like whether or not I I am in balance with the ear, shoulder, hip, mm -hmm. knee, and ankle lined up, but it's also going to show me abnormalities in my conformation or my stance or my posture laterally. So I carry one shoulder higher than the other. It's going to show that right, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, so like, you know how you can have a horse with like a hard mouth
1: on one side? Mm-hmm.
3: Like it, it usually lines up to that person's like weaker or like less agile side. Right. So my horses are usually hard to go left. Because the left is terrible on me. Like my whole left side is a mess. so like that's really kind of the fun part right you fall off you get hurt you end up accumulating injuries generally on one side of your body not always but like that becomes the weaker side so like when you turn your head to your weaker side your balance probably gets worse Ooh, we talked about that didn't we a couple episodes ago we had a proprioception
2: Uh we had a proprioception uh specialist on and and they they were talking about that and this is all see it all ties together Jen. It, it does all ties together. <laughs> so whenever It does.
1: Now I'm doing my my posture scan. I love the I love mm-hmm. I love these, these cute names. Can I do the should I sh- should I then do the same thing with me sitting on my horse to see if they because if I if I tend to set my posture so that my ankles are behind my are below my hip but my knees tend to be in front. Can Mm -hmm. I take a picture of me on the horse and see if, or even better, video of me on my horse, if that propensity in my conformation, my balance affects how I sit on a horse? And I'm guessing, just as a riding instructor, that somebody whose natural stance has their knees in front of their hip and their ankle is going to be someone who's really prone to a chair seat. So then we Mm -hmm. can take that information. And what can we do with that information to help us um, counteract that?
3: Yeah, so this is the fun part because this is where I get to say that your bones are stupid and they don't actually do anything on their own, oh, right? They're com- they're completely controlled by your muscles, and your muscles are controlled by your nervous system. And guess who are nervous system doctors and who can regulate and help you regulate muscular control over your posture? It's chiropractors. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, let me plug my entire profession. But <laughs> what you need to do is figure out which muscle groups, because you know, you have like opposing muscle groups, both like on the same side and then on the opposite side. Right. And so you need to figure out which muscle group is weak and how you can functionally improve that muscle group. And then that will change your posture because. Ooh,
1: give posture, me an example. Give me an example. A really easy one because I'm not that smart. I do I am not a doctor. Okay. So do you know what a functional squat is? No.
3: So let me okay, so I'll explain what a functional squat is and then we can go from there. So and everybody can do this at home and it's super fun. As long as you're doing it safely and don't fall over. So (laughs) stand up, right? And what I want you to do is stand with your feet shoulders width apart. And I want you to just squat down. And like, what happens? Because your butt should go almost all the way to your ankles. Your heels should stay on the floor. Your knees, like the back of your thighs, should come up against your calves, right? And you should be like completely stable in your squatting position. And then from there, you should be able to stand right back up. So if you can't do that, what we need to do is we need to look at that and say, are we missing ankle flexibility, right? So can you do that movement, but you have to do it on your tiptoes? Or are we missing knee flexibility where you can get to where about your size are parallel to the ground, but you can't go much further than that, right? So that could be like knee flexibility, right? Or is it hips? Or is it pain-related, right? So, like, when you see a functional movement doctor, like a chiropractor, like, those are some of the things that we look at and we say, okay, where is the functional system falling apart?
1: Okay, I'm going to drill down this. I'm going to drill this down even a little bit further. This is awesome. So, I'm going to do a squat and I discover that um, my foot stays flat on the ground uh-huh. My thigh gets down close to my calf on the back. But mm-hmm. I feel like I want to tip backwards a little bit. So that would indicate perhaps yeah. that my hips are not working properly. So if you if it's that you want to tip backward, right? Then usually that's
3: actually ankle because that um that tibia, right? The lower leg bone has to come forward. Over the ankle. Ah. Right, right. So if you don't have the ankle flexibility and that tibia stays upright,
1: then you're going to push your butt backwards and you're going to fall backwards. I see. So Mm -hmm. when doing this, our squat, if your hip flexibility is poor, what Uh might be... What might that human feel when he tries to do this squat if their hip flexibility is poor?
3: If your hip flexibility is poor, your knees are going to go forward.
1: Okay. My, if my knees go forward, am I going to feel like I'm tipping forward as a as a whole?
3: Yeah. You're going to feel pretty much like everything, like your ankles are moving and your knees are moving, but your hips don't really move and you can't pivot. Like you can't pivot at the hip. Mm-hmm. Like you can't two point. <laughs> <laughs> right. That pivot through the two point. Mm-hmm. Cause essentially to like get down, you have to two point and then just collapse the angles between the hips, the
2: knee and the ankle. I yeah. see now. Yeah. Okay. So I was just standing at my desk. I pushed my chair away and I was just doing mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I don't know what the, the correct term is, but I walk like a penguin. Like my my toes point out and I I waddle around and everything. So keeping my toes straight and going down, I can get to a certain point. But then to right. go further down and then push back up, my left foot I can keep straight, but my right foot like wants to pivot out just a little bit at like a 45 degree angle. Mm-hmm. What's that indicative of? (laughs) I would like you to diagnose me right now, please. Right. You're fine. Okay. So here we go. So two things can be happening, right?
3: And they are not mutually exclusive. So one, you can have two different angles of your hips, like that way the hip bone, the femur head sits in the pelvis. Okay. So that's the first thing. So to diagnose that, you would need an x-ray. And we just look at the acetabulum and we're like, oh, hey, guess what? You are the lucky winner. You have acetabula that point in two different directions, right? <laughs> can't Sounds about it. right. It's just, <laughs> right. It's just what it is. If you've had it all your life, yep. you're not going to do anything about it. But it also gives you a little bit more freedom because now you know that, like, this is your limitation, right? So, like, you can't change that too much, Right. You can accommodate to it, but you can't really change it. The second thing is, is the way we use our butt muscles. And this is, this is going to get funny because we're going to talk about the shapes of people's butts. So prepare yes. yourself. <laughs> you know, when people have like a pointy bottom part of their butt, when you are looking at them from behind, mm-hmm. do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. That is what we affectionately call a butt gripper. You are using the lower glutes to like pull your butt in to compensate generally for a weakness in the abdominal muscles. And so, what happens is you get this pointy bottom butt because you're overusing these muscles. And the top of the butt, right, the butt part of the butt, the glute max and stuff, that yep. kind of flattens out.
2: Because underutilized.
3: Not it. Yeah. Right. Right. And so because those muscles are situated where they are, they will generally turn the toe outward because they are rotators of the leg. Right. Okay. So, again, it kind of depends. Like, are you using your butt muscles correctly? Right. Are you not using your butt muscles correctly? Is it that your pelvis is shaped individually, like we all are, right? So that's part of the kind of investigative process. But it could probably be either of those, and you know,
2: stack well, like on there. i like to think is. that my 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 bum bum is is well rounded, but you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I'm gonna have to now I'm gonna have to go check in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, well, it, you know. It's the activation part of it too,
3: right? Like when you do like a wall sit, you guys know what a wall sit is where you put like a ball against the wall and you like sit on it, you sit down against it. So you're doing like a squat next to the wall. Yes. Okay. So when you do that, if you feel yourself grab with the bottom of your butt muscles, relax those butt muscles. And what'll happen is your pelvis will automatically tip backwards. And you'll feel those ab muscles engage. And that's when you know that you are gripping with the wrong muscles.
2: That overcompensation. Mm-hmm.
3: And think about it. If you grab with the bottom butt muscles when you're on your horse, <laughs> like you
1: you're can't screaming sit at deep them. It's <laughs> <laughs> like texting in all caps. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right?
3: It's like, let me grab you with my butt cheeks, like <laughs> while I'm riding you, Like Not only will you, like, put, like, a hard muscle up against where you need contact and suppleness, right, you'll just, like, bounce off your horse. (laughs) Totally. Because the next time you go riding, like, flex your ass cheeks and, like, try to ride a horse. (laughs) It's hard. Doesn't work
1: very well. It doesn't work very well. People
2: on the know. ring tomorrow are going to be like, what are you doing? As my horse like shoots across the arena. I'm like, I am right. tightening my bum bum, please. Hold it still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> testing a theory.
1: Testing yes, testing a theory. exactly.
2: That's right. Testing it's called science.
1: It's, that's uh-huh. right. We're doing this for science. I love it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, no.
2: Oh, I love it. So are there certain body types that like, we kind of wanted to talk about, um, injuries and maybe like different body types that might be more susceptible to injuries while riding or, you know, things that we might need to look out for, um, and yeah,
1: or make, make us more susceptible to injuring ourselves for certain types of posture. Yeah.
2: Yeah, totally.
3: So when you think about what would make you more prone to injury overall, It's lack of functional strength, right? Can you define
1: functional strength, please, doctor?
3: Yes. Yes, I can. So functional strength is how strong you are when you are doing things outside the gym, right? Picking your kids up, grabbing groceries, you know, grabbing a colt by the halter because he's being fractious, right? Right. It is the functional use of your body doing everyday activity, which is different than gym strength.
1: Ooh, Especially them fighting words. If <laughs>
3: yes, I know, I know. I'm going to get emails about this. Especially if it's like on a machine that takes you out of weight bearing and gravity. Yep. So, like, your muscles need to be able to work independently. But also with you balancing, with you moving quickly, and with you like taking things in stride, right? And so a lack of functional strength, and you probably talked about this with the person that talked about proprioception. If you have a poor idea of where your body is in space, you will get injured more. Because you just can't react fast enough to protect yourself, So, like, the whole functional squat thing, the whole, like, can you stand on one leg? Can you stand on one leg and, like, put your other leg off to the side, up to the front, out to the back, wrap it around, right? Like, how well can you move through space while being in a good posture while protecting yourself?
2: So, there's multiple ways to evaluate that. I feel like I'm going to injure myself evaluating myself. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you might, you might. Dude, make sure that you're on <laughs> a nice honey, soft like, carpet oh and you have yeah. someone else at home. Yep. There you go. Oh my God. I totally did that.
3: Like when I started my life, cause I never went to the gym. Cause I was like, I am horse person. I don't need a gym. I have horses. Like they See, beat me up. I don't need to beat is, myself up.
2: Yeah, no, but that's right? the, the one thing. So I'm, I'm um almost through my uh, personal training certification and it's literally because I started going to the gym Because I got a horse that I'm now jumping Grand Prix level with. And I couldn't, oh, thank you. But I, yeah, bragging, no. Um, But I couldn't stay with him over the jumps. And I'm like, I ride seven to eight horses a day. I'm strong. Like, functionally, day to day, if we're going to use terminology that we just learned, functionally, I am strong. But I am not strong outside, like, I can't engage the core without targeting yeah. the core to get it stronger. And so I started working out and then I just fell in love with it. And I do mm-hmm. agree that there's, there's functionality strength and there is gym strength because I have seen, I I'm a member of gold's gym, which right. is a lot of meat heads of I pick
1: things up, I put them down um, and a
2: lot of <laughs> yeah. grunting and for all of you gold's
1: gym <laughs> fans out there, please send your hate mail to Kayla. Right. Uh,
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, and like, I mean, they're lovely people, but it's, it's loud in there and you're like, I'm going to go to the other corner and lift my 10 pound weight over here <laughs> by right. myself. Um, but being, sh-
1: you, you need to be stronger than what you're trying to do. <gasps> oh, is- oh, I have a comment on that one. And th- this is something that we as riders, we have a double standard. Throughout equestrianism, your horse should be schooling at a higher level than what he is competing at. Yes. As riders, yeah. we do not require the same of ourselves, and we should. We must. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you don't yeah. need to be jacked to ride a horse. That's not what I, like, am, I'm like. i saying. I. You need to be functionally stronger than what you're asking the horse to do, so you can also... When you make a mistake because you are a human and you will make Mm -hmm. a mistake, you can also account for that and maybe put yourself in a better position like you missed at a jump. And instead of getting weak in your core and jumping up the neck, you can hold your shoulders, like tighten up your core, wait for the horse's shoulders to leave the ground. And then even though you missed, the jump is still smooth. You land. You don't get the horse in the
1: mouth. You canter off, you go, I'm not
2: going to do that again.
1: Well, that's the difference between chipping in and landing on the horse's ears on the opposite side, (laughs) or even worse, on the ground, or chipping Mm -hmm. in and, okay, you had a little bubble, continue your course. Yes. Yes, I think think that you've really hit on something important for, and this can be applicable for every discipline, that ability to have both functional strength and what we're going to call your gym strength, those yeah. both have to work together because the functional strength is, you're not going to be jumping any jumps at all if you don't have that. Right. But yeah. when things go awry, that gym strength are what can help you stay out of serious mischief. For example, you're riding your saddle bread and you're going down the side and they ask you to trot on and some toddler in the stands zings his baby bottle out in front of your horse and all of a sudden you're 17 and a half feet to the right a millisecond right. later if you've got both <laughs> your functional strength and your gym strength you're a lot more likely to still be in the stirrups when you get to 17 and a half feet and not looking up yeah. at your horse going yeah
3: <laughs> yeah totally and i don't want you guys to think that like functional strength can't be won in the gym like that's not what i'm getting at i'm getting it that like if you are on a leg press machine that is different than you grabbing a feed sack and doing squats yep. at the, at the barn. Yes, that's true. right. That's Cause true. they're functionally different movements. That's true. right. And so like balance is good too. And I think that like the strength part, but you have to be able to apply strength at speed Ooh. and that's balance. Right. Cause yep. you can be strong, but if like you we're can't getting into apply physics here. <laughs> I know, isn't it fun? Isn't it
2: fun? I've so never heard anyone say, apply- isn't physics fun?
1: <laughs>
3: it, it's great. I totally failed out of physics in college, but it's still really fun. But, like, if you can't apply the strength appropriately, right, then you end up with the opposite problem where instead of, like, you know, we've all done this where we overcorrect, right? Where we get a little bit too excited or a little bit too strong, and we're just like gangbusters, and where we should have just like checked to the left, we are now turning to the left. Yeah. Right. And so the application of that force is also important, right? It's that age-old conquest for like, how do I get finesse? Right. Yep. That's my. Universal problem.
1: Yeah. Was- yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Looking back on my years when I was teaching full time, that was actually a common hurdle that students would have to overcome. Students who were extremely athletic, very muscular, very fit, really struggled because of that fitness the Mm -hmm. subtlety and the balance, the functional strength, that self-awareness and being able to be subtle was very, very difficult for them because all of their muscle memory involved muscle work, working it to its max, working it really hard. And those students really, really struggled with that type of work because Mm -hmm. they didn't have that functional part the the subtlety part because uh, the subtlety that finesse that's the word that made the light bulb come in for me the so if you're riding and you're you finding yourself if you're if you can self describe as i struggle with my finesse maybe that part of your program is where you can focus some more effort and thought Into the finesse and the proprioception and that kind of thing. And again, another light bulb moment. Riders who are transitioning from conscious competence to unconscious competence. They go from, I can do it really, really well as long as I'm thinking about it. (laughs) Left leg at the girth, right leg behind the girth that's conscious competence, to unconscious competence. I just did a really gorgeous shoulder-in, and I can't tell you how I did it. (laughs) Right. Riders who are transitioning between those two, and some riders can never make the transition. They can never get to that intuitive stage. Um, I think 99% of the time, riders who can't get there can't get there because it's stuck in their head. That's another function of that functional fitness that's the subtlety and yeah. the finesse of you're not consciously working muscles; you are allowing your balance and the horse's balance to kind of do a waltz together. So, ooh, good stuff today. One before we run out yeah. of time, because we've been gabbing for hours. The <laughs> mm-hmm. when a rider is injured, one of the things that we always struggle with is we have we we compensate for that injury while it is active. Once the Mm -hmm. injury is medically healed, we have a lot of compensations, some of which we're aware of and we can work on, some of which we're unaware of and don't even realize we're working on. Um, Suggestions on for riders who have had injuries, and if you want to pick an example, feel free, how to help being, be more aware of our compensations post-injury. How can we help to self, oh, oh, I'm compensating there. Right. Um, So I think
3: a couple of good things. It's, it's nice to have a team, right? It's nice to have someone who is looking at you from that perspective, right? Because it is incredibly difficult to judge your own posture and it's, 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 it's emotionally difficult also, not just looking at it difficult. Um, So
1: a couple of years ago,
3: I, Broke another three ribs falling
1: off of a horse. Another? That's and that's a discussion for another, another time. The word "another." We'll have you on. <laughs> another. The, we'll talk about that on the summit Yeah. Uh, again. Um. So
3: when you break ribs at like five, six, and seven, that's where your shoulder competency comes from, but it's also where a lot of bend comes from and rotation. And one of the things that I had to really relearn is that. Strength and flexibility both need to be maintained for you to not hurt yourself again. So, like, you can be strong, right? You can be strong and overpower yourself and just pop something right back out because you're too strong and you pull it, right? Because you've injured that joint space because that tendon is weaker, because we all know tendons that get injured are weaker, right? you need the flexibility right so that you can move all of the things equally so that you're not moving one thing a whole bunch and the other thing not very much do you kind of see where I'm, where i'm going with that
1: oh yeah that makes sense that could, because if you're not using the flexibility appropriately then you're going to likely give yourself another injury because something that should right, be. Right.
3: you're doubling it being up using, Yeah.
1: Else. Yeah. Overuse. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So like one of the cool things that I see in chiropractic, right. Is people come in and they're like, my left butt cheek hurts. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Let's look at this. And it's usually one of those SI joints is moving too much. And the other one is just locked and it can't move oh. because that's the only place somebody has strength. They have one strong butt cheek and the other one has just given up on life, right? (laughs) It's taken a vacation, gone somewhere else. And you, you can't really tell the difference. It just looks like a regular person's butt, right? But once you get into it and you're like, oh, you can't stand on that leg without compensating through the hip because you're so weak right there, right? And so once you start moving the joint that's not moving, which essentially is chiropractic, And then re-strengthening the other side and getting more flexibility into the side that's not moving. And getting more strength into the side that you have stopped paying attention to. Right? Then you can start to really heal that injury.
1: Oh, my goodness. So much stuff. So much stuff. I I know. (laughs) I've learned so much. I'm just
2: like... I'm like, I'm not even responding because I'm just like, yep. Okay, You're taking it all in. More. yeah. <laughs> it yeah. All in. Well,
1: this, this has been absolutely fascinating. For somebody who has questions, maybe uh, would like to make use of your services, you are in Oak Park, Illinois. How can people find you? I
3: am. So you can find us on TikTok at Dr. Sarah Cairo. You can find us on Instagram at Watson Chiropractic Oak Park. Or you could also call our office. It's 888-888. Four seven six five one seven one. You can also drop us an email at info at drsarahwatson.com. and it's just d r s a r a h w a t s o n
1: dot Perfect. And you mentioned that you work a lot with uh, patients who are pregnant or have had babies, would you mind sometime in the future, maybe we could come on and chat a little bit about the special challenges of going back to riding after you've had a baby? After
3: postpartum, 100% because it took me almost a year to get my broken pelvis back on a horse after I had a child.
1: Ah, Stay tuned, folks. Absolutely. We're smack in the middle of the show. That means it's time for the Equidu Moment product highlight.
2: We've got Cocoa Tea Salve. It's by Enviro Equine, and it helps alleviate hoof, hair, and skin issues naturally. So Enviro Equine's Cocoa Tea Salve has been formulated to combine the natural healing properties of coconut, tea tree, and rosemary oils to combat a variety of hoof and skin ailments and promote healthy hair growth. This soothing formula will never burn or blister the skin and is safe to use under bandages. It aids in alleviating the following hoof, hair, and skin issues, which is dermatitis, scratches, ringworm, rain rot, dew poisoning, tail scratching, sunburn, itchy, irritated skin, minor scrapes, thrush, and white line disease. Horses are a big pain in the butt, aren't they, Jen? Oh my gosh, that's all the things I need. Can I get two bottles? All the things. Yeah. Yeah, so it encourages healthy hair growth and moisturizes the skin. It's 34.95 and I have a jar of it. It comes um in in this really handy screw top jar and um it lasts forever. You know, you know something a little if goes a
1: long a way. A little goes a long way and if you and if you don't wash your hands after you use it it'll probably help your fingernails too. I
2: rub it into my hands after.
1: (laughs) So you're going to go to TotalEquahealth.com and can we use the code HRN10 for our discount? Yes, you can. There we go. TotalEquahealth.com, HRN10. Do it today. And so I'm so excited. Jen,
2: you got the most like a She's just amazing, this woman. So Kim Walness is going to come on and talk to us. Um, she is the us. She was on the U.S. equestrian team from 1980 to 1986. And among many of her competitive achievements, she was team and individual bronze medal at the World Three Day Eventing Championships at Lemuelan and won the U.S. National Championships at Rolex in Kentucky.
1: And... Lest we not forget, one of my favorite parts is the gray goose with whom she achieved all these amazing goals. Was inducted into the U.S. Eventing Association Hall of Fame in 2012. Woo-hoo. This is your going to be your first time on Total EquiHealth. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you so much, Jen. I reached out to Kim at the very last second, literally, and said, "Please, literally. can you come on and talk about this topic?" And she said, "Sure." <laughs> So, and I'm so thankful. <laughs> so here we are. Unlike most shows about horse horses, horsemanship, training, etc., where we all talk about how horses, the horses confirmation, horses fitness, horse injuries, on Total health, we talk about the rider. And I didn't think there would be anybody better suited to talk about rider confirmation and how rider confirmation and how it relates to the sitting animal you're sitting on can have a profound effect on your performance with you and your horse together than Kim Walnuts, because I've ridden in many a lesson with Kim, and it was like a whole new world opened up after (laughs) you pointed out some of these things. (laughs) (sighs) So from your point of view, you teach dozens and dozens and dozens of different riders at every level, from putt-putt, tiny children who have just learned to sit on a horse, all the way up to international level riders. What is the most common misconception use you, you come across about rider confirmation and how we ride horses? What's the things like, no, that's not really how it works.
0: Oh, I think, I think the answer to that would be everybody thinks there is a formula for riding, uh, as technique. There's a formula for riding technique. You're, your legs have to be here and your hands have to be here and your body has to be thus. And so, I mean, depending on the particular sport, there are some changes in that, but the biggest misconception that I run into is people think their hands have to be down on the horse's withers. And if you have very long arms, you can get a, well, the horse hates it because you're putting backward pressure on their mouth when you do that. And you're, Your body and the horse's back don't like it because your hands are in front of your hips then and you can't follow with your seat very well. Your hips can't be free with your hands blocking their motion. And it puts pressure on the horse's withers. Whether you're pushing or not, it doesn't matter. Energetically, it puts pressure on the horse's withers. So uh, if you happen to be a rider whose conformation includes short arms, whether that's short upper arm, short lower arm, or just your arm is in proportion, but it's short compared to the rest of your body, then, then that's just uh, people struggle and struggle and struggle to keep their hands down because their bodies know they're way out of balance. Putting their hands down pulls them forward onto their sternum, and it takes their weight out of their back and their feet and their feet. So So when I, when I give them permission to raise their hands and I show them how to do it, they're like,
1: wow. (laughs) So for a rider who struggles with, um, hand position is the length of arm compared to the size of the horse make a difference as well? No, no. So Mm -mm. tall, short horse, tall horse, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Ah.
0: It's the the angles in your own body. You know, every rule book in every horse sport, every rule book says there should be a 90 degree bend in the elbow, but nobody teaches it and they don't judge
1: it that way. Ding, 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 ding. You're right. And I think that's key is the judges don't pin it either. Therefore, and it's, it's that, chicken or the egg. If it's not being pinned in a class, we're not motivated to teach it or do it.
0: Correct. And then there's another caveat that goes with this. In order to carry your hands at the proper angle, to have a 90 degree bend in your elbow and to have your hands, the other misconception I run into all the time is your hands have to be together. They have to be close together. uh, Because I think, I think what happens is instructors teach they teach their beginning students how to ride the way finished riders look without taking into account all the steps those riders went through to get to the, where they ride that way. They didn't start like that. They finished that way. And they try to teach people that finished look right from the beginning. So when, when people put their hands down and together, then they're really toast as far as balance goes. They and their horses are just, and which is why the horses. Well, I'm going to get off on another topic there. I want to
3: stop
2: <laughs> right there. <so. laughs> it's okay. We we're we're prepared to go dive down the rabbit hole. So. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, you you have no idea, Carrie what you're saying. No, you say I know. That. To me, to me <laughs> I, I'm very, I'm very acquainted with that rabbit hole. But I mean, the I'm sorry to say it, but so many of the horses are, you know, they are. Uh, you know, they're they're either lunged into complete and utter boredom.' Um, they're, they're taught to be robots for their riders because their riders are so badly balanced the horses have to carry them perfectly. And yep. the riders perch and they just sit there and and it's, um, anyhow. Well,
2: and it's funny that you say about the hands and being together and everything because it actually creates a pivot point, right? Then their balance gets Correct. forward. And things Mm -hmm. like that. And I teach a lot of uh, beginner riders, but I also uh, ride a lot of baby horses. And Mm -hmm. I ride my baby horses with wider hands just to help create a, like a kind of like a funnel. Like I call them training wheels. Like Mm -hmm. you have to play within these, these, like your shoulders need to play in between these lines. You, You need to stay straight between these lines. And... I have a couple riders that like to teach them connection. I'll actually have them go a little wider so that they're not pulling back. It's, it's a forward motion. Then they can put their leg onto it. Right. And you have the, the people that read a lot and study a lot and then watch a lot of uh, upper level riders. And they're like, but their hands are together. And I was like, yes, but they're on, on very well-trained horses. They have well-trained, like they're very well-trained themselves. And now they've, they've, you know, they didn't, it's like coloring within the lines, you know, you, they had to do the outline first so then they could color within lines to have the finished product. You you still have to create the outline first. <laughs> and yeah. um, so like, I mean, but that's, that being said with what you were saying with the shorthands, uh, long, like long arms, short arms, I have, I have a couple students that are all, well, I have a bunch of students that are all different body shapes and, and, shapes, sizes, whatever. And, you know, I was trying to have a rider put her hands in a certain spot because when I ride the horse with my hands there, but I have noodle arms, the horse goes really well. Mm-hmm. And she just could not do it. And I was like looking at her and she was saying she was an event rider as well. And she said she had a hard time keeping her hands low when she dropped into the water. And I said, absolutely you would. Your your arms, and to be frank, they're like little T-Rex arms. And, Uh and she's a bigger chested person. And so to Uh put her arms down, she has to wrap around her chest. Well, then she's rolling her shoulders. She's pitching forward. She's an upper level event rider. How is she going to be able to stay back in the center of balance and let the horse drop away from itself and stay balanced when she's jamming her hands down? She's actually going to get pitched forward, not while the horse is dropping, but when she lands you know, that all that momentum is going to have to go somewhere because she's creating a a false hinge point. Right. Um, And so that's what got me thinking about rider confirmation. And I was like, you don't have to put your hands like the whole idea is to stay out of the way of the horse's mouth and to follow it down. Right. So but that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be jammed down because you're actually then you're going to end up getting the horse in the mouth. It's not when it's Going down when the next going down, it's gonna be when it pops you out of the tack and then you have to fix yourself and you come back. And then you're gonna go swimming.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> Been there, done
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask how I know. So yeah, this brings up you balance, obviously, is is coming that word gets used a lot right now. So mm-hmm. thank god. Thank god, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I know back confirmation in human beings has a very wide Array. Some people's lower back is naturally hollowed out. Some people's lower back is naturally very straight and everything in between. Does mm-hmm. that have, how does that affect a rider's propensity to balance in one way or another?
0: Well, the core is the essence of everything. You can't have your hands wide if you're not in your core. If you are not balancing in your center, you can't have your hands wide because your, your monkey brain is going to be constantly saying you got to have your hands down there by the mane because we're out of balance and you got to be able to grab it for safety. That's just a, that's a body response to being out of balance. So back confirmation, I find, is not as important as understanding the muscles to use to engage your core in an outward fashion. Not, not like Pilates. Pilates is great for training the core, but not uh, unless you're an upper level dressage. Then you can use some of those muscles that way. But not most riders need to know how to push their diaphragm down toward their pelvis and fill their lower back and belly out. It's the same muscles you use, hopefully every morning when you visit the
1: bathroom. <laughs> oh, how tactfully put. How tactfully put. <laughs> <Well>, uh, <thank laughs> that was very elegant.
0: <laughs> so when you do that, I have a Lordactic back. My back is swayed, is swayed in and then my butt sticks out. That is my confirmation. But you don't see that when I ride much because I've learned how to engage my core and it pushes my spine. Uh, it opens the vertebrae in my spine when I do that. So it becomes flexible and can follow more easily. That's true for everybody. And so when you learn how to use your core correctly, and there's a piece with the legs that is involved in this as well to anchor yourself, then you can have your hands. You know, I, I say to the, the large chested ladies or anybody, I mean, there's plenty of guys that are wide in the torso. When you have a wide torso, you must then um, keep your elbows in at your side, of course, not gripping, but just touching. But the wide torso people, I have them bring their forearms out a little wider than I would somebody who has a narrower torso. And that helps them drop into their lower back and seat and
1: balance better. Oh, you can even feel it when you're sitting in an office chair. I just tried it. Yes, you can. Ha! Mm-hmm. I'm having flashbacks (laughs) to riding lessons, Kim. Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) Cool. You're going to get her all excited. She's going to want to go riding. Anyway, I haven't been on my horse in almost a month. I'm going to run right out and
1: ride. I hope so. I hope so. So for various and sundry confirmations of we'll talk about lower back for today and human beings, Mm -hmm. whether they are very S-curvy or very straight, Can I extrapolate from the fact that everybody has to use the core properly, regardless of how their Mm -hmm. back shape is, can I extrapolate from that then that that ideal, I'm going to use my air quotes, equitation seat, everybody should look like this sitting on the horse and you have the picture of the little rider in their hunt coat with their little lower back all arched and looking really cute with their shoulders way back, might not be appropriate for every confirmation of rider? Correct. Correct. Ding, 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 ding. I win. I'm going to have a glass of wine. <laughs> I and think and not only
0: me. that, but that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> She's right. That,
0: no. that, that dip in the back, that curve in the spine, it's like that. I mean, it uh, it compresses the vertebrae together. It's very bad for us. It's very unhealthy to ride like that with your tush sticking out behind you and your chest pointing down toward the horse. That is a very unhealthy posture. And it's, I'm trying to think of how to say this tactfully. Uh, the female form looks very curvaceous and elegant in that, in that posture. And so riders, well, hunt seat riders, and um, um, gymnastic, gym, ladies who do gymnastics and divers are all taught to have that posture. And the gymnasts have to land in that posture. You know, they land and then they spring up with their arms over their head and stick their chest out and their tush. And so it's no wonder they don't last very long. It's terrible on their body. Is that akin
1: is, that akin is that shape that we make? We're going to use the gymnast um, metaphor yes. here because it, it's very uh-huh. visual. We're... Mm -hmm. You arch your, you hyper arch your back and put your hands up and you look up. So your entire back is making that banana shape. Is that akin to a horse going around in a hollow frame with his head stuck up? Absolutely, Jen. Oh my gosh, this is so informative today.
2: (laughs) Well, you can't engage your core at all in that position. No, no, you cannot. I've talked on this, um, you're probably not familiar, but I have talked on this subject when we've talked core health, um, in a previous episode and I Mm -hmm. do a lot of my core exercises on the ground, um, Mm -hmm. only strictly because I, um, you know, I have some, uh, back issues and I very early on in my workout career would arch my back to overcompensate for the lack of core that I had. And Mm -hmm. so I, the doing all the exercises on my back made me realize when I started to arch my back and basically I have to push myself back down into neutral spine and roll Mm -hmm. my back. Now it feels like you're being really ugly in your lower (laughs) back to do it, but it's actually then it's flat. And then I would start to feel it arch and I'll go, okay, reposition." And the more I did that, instead of doing sit ups and crunches and and things like that, where you can you can overcompensate in certain areas, you can strain your neck to kind of pull yourself up. You can use your back in instead of engaging that core. Um, but I I see all these people riding around and they're arching their backs, and I'm like, oh, please just lay on the ground and teach yourself how to bring your ba- your back into neutral spine. Yeah,
0: Just, yeah, Dan. But and, planks, I I yeah. recommend planks. Planks and rowing. It works the entire body, Ooh, and yeah, you rowing. have to use your core. Very yeah. interesting. Very now, rowing is how I made it to the world championships because I couldn't do all the other stuff because of my knees and et cetera, et cetera.
2: Now, I didn't do know that. Do you think oh. like there's some I've noticed when teaching um, some some people like. Specifically, young girls or um, even boys when they go through that weird, awkward uh, puberty mm-hmm. where they shoot up and their mm-hmm. upper body shoots up and they lose—have you ever noticed that they lose control of their upper body? Um, well, they,
0: their whole their uh, their center of gravity has
2: changed. Yeah. They, yeah.
0: And they then they the ha- sense of of you know the pro- whole proprioception has to adjust.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, I found it really interesting that the really long torso, uh, people, they maybe were short torsoed. So their center of balance was a little bit lower. Um, they didn't have to control their upper body quite so much. And now they have to relearn all of that. Um, and then some, you know, and learn how to engage the core now that it's elongated and, and it's changed its way of going a little bit um i just found it very interesting how they would get really loppy and floppy everywhere and you're (laughs) like whoa Uh what happened all of a sudden it feels like it Uh happened overnight Um, Yeah, and and it doesn't but it, it feels that way and um yeah i i just i found it very interesting how you know, as the body changes or even after a woman has had a baby and then that core strength goes away, their body changes shape a little bit and, and relearning how to use the muscles, use the balance, things like that. Um, what are your thoughts on on as the body changes, how people should uh, re reassess, like take a take a step back?
0: Well the, the first thing I would recommend is to have self compassion. You <laughs> can't help it. You yeah. can't help it. It's just this is nature and this is just the way it is. And so uh, patience is required. You can't force yourself to change that back in a day or even a week, some you know, you have it because it's constantly morphing and after pregnancy there's the whole protective hormones and thing too you know where you've never been afraid in your life and suddenly now you're afraid well that's nature that's nature and be patient it'll go away eventually just be calm be calm be patient and say this to the adolescents all the time you just have to we're going to work our way through this and we're going to take a few steps back in what we're doing so that you don't so that you, your body feels safe while you go through this transition. That's the most important thing. It's helping the body feel safe through the transition. So There's all kinds of exercises and things they ton, can do on the horse. We could go on and on and yeah. on, couldn't
1: we? Um, mm. Interesting stuff how core and back are so... East, core, back, center of balance are key to the rider being effective and safe on the horse and core and back and balance are key for the horse to for- perform what we would like them to. They're the two are inseparable.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes, they are. Because the, yeah. uh, the you know, if you've ever carried a child on your shoulders, especially one that's a little uh, hyper, <laughs> you know, looking all around and moving all around and you know how you have to always stay on top of them. So if you have a rider who's not balanced, the horse is always having to try to stay under that rider. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. And it, and so it causes a certain amount of tension and it can cause tension and anxiety or the horses shut down and just go, oh, I'm just going to shuffle around here because you're all over the place and
1: And that yeah, then the horse the horse shuts down and starts to shuffle. Then the rider has to break out the whip because the horse is shuffling. Yeah. And then it's a vicious circle after that. But when
0: you find your own core and balance, the horses go forward and they're so happy. It's like, oh, I know where you are and you know where you're going. And how fun is this? We're actually working as a team. And I can
1: attest to that. When you (laughs) the first time I ever took a riding for lesson from you, I drove home. First I felt like I I never learned how to ride in the whole 25 years I'd been riding. Yeah. But second, yeah. a horse that really, really, really struggled to go forward for even one step at a time, had a little light bulb. And all mm-hmm. you did was teach me how to find that appropriate, correct center of balance to stay in the middle of the horse to get the heck out of his way. And he was perfectly happy to go forward. Yeah. And it, it wasn't more leg. It wasn't use of AIDS. It was putting my center of balance in the middle of the horse and it stayed in the middle of the horse so he could stay under me. And cause what he was trying to do was stay, try to stay with me. He was like, okay, oh, I can't go forward because you're not in the right spot. And once I got well, in the right and, spot, and, he was perfectly fine.
0: Yes. And not, there's another piece to that, Jen, I'm glad you brought that up. When we're out of balance, our inclination is to curl, to curl forward. That's the body's way of saying, please don't hurt me. You know, I know I'm out of my body. The body is saying, I know I'm out of balance and I really hope, I mean, I can grab this mane quick if anything happens. But when we, when we curl forward, when we go, when we have our weight on our chest, then our balance is literally ahead of the horses. And so some horses will go faster to try to keep up with that. And others go slower because you're ahead of them.
1: And they're trying to slow down to stay with you yeah interesting. so that That's what you said that, mm-hmm. that rushy horse is rushing to keep up, so the the mm-hmm. rider problem is the same, but the horse's reaction to it can be different. It can be different, yes, and
0: since nine tenths of all horses are also on their forehand, you get a rider on the forehand and a horse on the forehand.
1: Ain't nobody balanced. So they <laughs> Ain't go nobody faster. balanced. Maybe that, maybe yeah. that should be that should be the ne- your next book, Kim. Ain't nobody balanced. There
0: you go. <laughs> there you go. I'll
1: write that down, Jen. <laughs> Put that on a T-shirt. Ain't nobody balanced. I was just
0: thinking, we
2: need we need T-shirts. Ain't nobody balanced.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this has been so much fun having you on the show and chit chatting. We're going to have to have you back again sometime. Hopefully, not on such short notice, because there are so many more rabbit holes we could go down.
2: Oh, I love going down rabbit holes. That who, would
1: be fun. Who doesn't? Before we go, though. We can go, just though,
2: dissect the body. We can just start at the top and just work our way system. down.
1: Oh, she's got great things there to say go. about heads and jaws and necks. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. For, for people who want to follow along with your adventures or contact you about doing a clinic or joining in a clinic or lesson program that's ar- that you're already with, where can they find you online?
0: Well, I have a website that is... Um, com or TheWayOfTheHorse.com. Either one will get you there.
1: Got it. And, and you also have Facebook pages of the same
0: names? I do. Yes. yes. Do. And my clinic schedule is, is posted pinned at the top of my business page, which is
1: Kim Wellness, The Way of the Horse. There we go. Perfect. Okay. And big update. For, for a few years now, there have been some filmmakers working diligently behind the scenes to make a documentary film about your many, many adventures thus far with uh, The Grey Goose and others. And I hear that is currently actively uh, doing some more filming. So where can we find out, what's it called, and where can people find out more?
0: It's called The Grey, the Kim Walnut story. And uh, there is a Facebook page on the on this documentary and its progression and and these we have a whole new team working on this they are visionaries they get it they understand the emotional content of horses and what's involved with them and i'm very excited about it so the (laughs) facebook page is called the gray colon
1: the Kim wellness story Perfect. The gray colon, the Kim Wellness story. And if you can't, yes. if you and can't, wait, put, wait just a second. Gray
0: yeah. is spelled with an A. G-R-A-Y. Yes. That is very important. Yes.
1: That is important. You're good. Mm-hmm. good catch right there. And if you can't commit all of that to memory, we will put links to all of these and more on the episode page. So you can go to Horses in the Morning to this episode and find it there. Or if you can't even manage that, just drop me an email and we'll make sure you get it. So Jennifer horse network.com. We'll make sure you get that. Well, thank you one more time, Kim for coming on the show with us. It's been lovely.
0: Oh, it's thank a you. real pleasure, Jen. Thank you for thank the you opportunity. Thank you so much. You're so welcome, Kayla. It was great to meet you and
2: yes. have such a wonderful discussion. It was delightful. Thank you very much. Well, that was just a fantastic episode, Jen. Um, closing out, where can people find you?
1: Where can people find me? I'm, my office is in studio B, which is located in the living room of our home in Ocala, Florida. <laughs> but if you want to contact me, you can just stay, drop me an email, Jennifer at Horseradio network.com. That's the email address where everybody sends all of the bad ads, but it's also where you send, if you have a guest idea, topic idea, stuff like that, send it all over and I'll make sure that Kayla gets it <laughs> so that we can talk about it on the show.
2: Yeah. And, and
1: complaints too, right? Oh no, they get forwarded. <laughs> 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 forwarded to the recycling bin they get they forwarded directly <laughs> to the round bin and Kayla where can find people find you online
2: okay so you can well where can't you find me online is really the question um you know Selkuth sport horses is my uh horse business it's where you'll find all of my riding videos uh you know sale ads for my horses things like that um Selkuth S-E-L-C-O-U-T-H sport horses on Instagram Facebook um, I have a TikTok, which is very embarrassing. Kayla Benny, um, total Equal Health has a TikTok as well at total Equal Health, um, which is slightly less embarrassing. Is, is total um, Equal
1: Health at your TikTok, is that where you put your, your exercises and stuff that you I- do. that is
2: theoretically where they should go. We'll,
1: we'll <laughs> leave it at that. So
2: yes, but no, there's, um, there's some informational stuff there. Um, and just, you know, every now and then we like to have a little fun. Um, and you can find the links to today's guests and show notes at horses in the com. You can follow horses in the morning on Facebook, just search for horses in the morning. And thank you so much to total echo health. Again, visit them at Total equi, that's E-Q-U-I health.com. And if you have any, uh, issues, you can email shop at total equi health. Um, any questions, anything like that, you need help being pointed in the right direction. You have a horse with some funky, funky thing. Um, you'll get actually the email will be sent directly to me. Um, and yeah, You know, visit all the Facebooks, everything. And remember, riding like life doesn't need to be perfect to be wonderful. Give your horse a pat after every ride.